Hello and welcome to this GCP short produced in collaboration with friends of the podcast Captive Resources and all about risk management for group captive members. Shortly, we will be joined by Andy Johnson, Chief Risk Officer at Captive Resources, and Lorraine Martin, President and CEO of the National Safety Council. We are delighted to have the NSC on the Global Captive Podcast for the first time, and Lorraine brings immense experience, including 30 years at Lockheed Martin. Andy has been with Captive Resources since 1992 and was made CRO in 2019. More on that in a moment. Lorraine and Andy are both expert in safety and risk management and over the next 60 minutes we'll be discussing the importance of best practice safety in the workplace, how the pandemic has changed the workplace environment, how investment in risk management can be quantified in terms of return on investment and why captive resources work so closely with their group captive members on the topic of safety and risk management. Andy begins, however, with an introduction to his own role and how he works day to day with group captive members. So Andy, perhaps a a good place to begin would be if you could give our listeners an introduction to what your role is at Captive Resources and, and how you work with the group captive members. All right. My role at Captive Resources is the Chief Risk Officer and have been in this position since 1992, overseeing all the safety and the claims management resources brought to the members of our, our 42 group captives, 5,000 companies, uh, billions of dollars in premium across the United States. And so, so managing those two pieces that in the insurance vernacular, risk control encompasses loss prevention, which is the safety side, and loss control, which is the claim side. So those two pieces fit quite nicely in the chief risk officer position. Fantastic. And Lorraine, it's great to have you on. We've never had the National Safety Council on the Global Captive podcast before. Could you, could you tell us how uh, the National Safety Council support organizations and their risk and safety professionals? Yeah, Richard, and thank you for having us. Um, let me give you a little bit of context. The National Safety Council is the America's leading nonprofit safety advocate, and we have been for about 100 years. And what we focus on is eliminating leading causes of preventable death and injury, And we primarily focus in workplaces, on the roadway, and on a topic we call impairment. But our focus really is in helping organizations create a culture of safety so that they can reduce risk, as we just heard from Andy, uh, not only as, as they are doing their things at work, but as they bring those behaviors to places outside of work so that they can live their fullest lives. We do this primarily through our member companies. So we have 15,000 members, many of them, uh, Andy's uh, uh, representatives and, and organizations. And we represent then all of the employees that are part of those organizations to help bring the companies and the employees techniques and strategies for keeping themselves safe at work and elsewhere. Fantastic. So Andy, what always uh, stands out to me about captive resources is, is a real laser focus on safety and and risk management why is is this such a a central role to the group captive model that that cri pushes forward and and oversees and and how do you ensure it does stay on the agenda it does stay high on the agenda of your members well it's great that you picked up on that because that's clear clear then that things are working and what we're doing yeah it's it's a it's a fundamental shift of culture with companies that join our captives that have become members of our captives. 
um, the old the old way of looking at things in safety and risk management was you you engineer problems out and if you can't do that you educate people to work around those problems and if you can't and and then you layer layer on top of that enforcement of rules and regulations and that's a kind of the old paradigm of safety uh, safety engineering a hierarchy of controls they called it a newer way of looking at it which is much more what our companies our member companies embrace is that they try to find ways to engage people and empower them and energize them to take safety uh, and risk management more from an ownership perspective. The old way you looked at it, you were buying insurance. The new way, coming into a captive, you become an owner. And when you own something, you tend to, to, to pay more attention to it, to treat it differently, to, to focus on how you can do it better than if you were just buying something. So that's kind of a fundamental cultural shift and, and something we've done since day one at Captive Resources is provide the tools the resources that's in our name uh, for members to be able to do that, to be able to take that to the kind of the next level to be an insurance owner and not just a buyer or a consumer of a product. Andy, I'll just ask a follow-up question there to you, if if I may. Is it kind of the proof is in the pudding in terms of if you think that if there are any warning signs, you think members aren't going along the right track on those risk management and safety efforts or you know, in terms of the warning signs being potential yeah, increase in claims or would you expect that your close work with members would pick up on that kind of stuff before it got to that point? Yeah, we we do pick up on those things or we, we watch those things. I shouldn't say pick up on them because they generally don't happen. Our member companies tend to do better year over year every year. They're going to have bumps in the road here and there. And we've built in to each one of our captives, the some people call it a support list, some people call it a watch list, somebody call some people call it a, a early warning system, whatever it might be. But we have built into each of our captives some type of early warning system like that. And then the flip side of that is we've taken that and recognized those companies who do really, really well and asked them to share those ideas and how they got so good with the other members of the captive. So it serves two purposes. Yeah, that, 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 that's really interesting. So Lorraine, uh, I guess following on in a, in a similar vein, how do you see it being possible to really quantify the value and ROI of those risk management and safety efforts across various areas? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and Andy just brought to life how, you know, the companies that he works with have seen that payoff. But for a lot of companies, you first need to make sure that you know how to evaluate your risk. Do you know, know what your safety issues are, what your risks are? And there are lots of tools. We provide some as well to help people really assess, you know, where are their trouble spots? Where are the places that could cause them uh, to have their employees or their operations at risk and then figure out what the mitigations are. We certainly <laughs> had to do quite a bit of that around uh, COVID recently, uh, but those safety challenges are in businesses even prior to the pandemic. And you need to understand what actions you need to take to address them. But a lot of folks always ask, you know, those actions take money, they take cost. How do I know I'm getting the return for uh, making the changes or the investments that uh, my risk management process might suggest I do. And the first thing I would share with folks is, is avoiding all of that is actually almost always more costly. The annual cost of safety and health incidents worldwide annual is 150 billion. That includes medical expenses, insurance, property damage, administrative costs, not to even mention things having to do with the stress on your employees and their homes and their families um, and all of those others somewhat intangible. And I'm sure during COVID it was even higher. So one of the first things you need to do is, is to really sometimes look at the numbers. And uh, there have been a great deal of research and anecdotal evidence that try to quantify uh, the value of risk management and safety and being proactive about these things. And 
nearly all the studies show at least uh, between three and $10 for every dollar spent that you actually get for your ROI of being proactive regarding your key risks and your safety challenges. Um, and again, as I said before, that's before you even think about the, the value or pain and suffering that might be um, incurred by a family member or by uh, an employee as a result of all of uh, the things that uh, could go wrong in your business. And we all know they're there. The, ch the challenge is to make sure that we're doing something about them so that they don't happen. And the only other thing I'd add on top of that is the pandemic really brought to life for us that it's not just the physical um, risks that we might look at for our employees, but also the mental health uh, challenges. And, and, and the pandemic certainly brought to life the issues of substance misuse and how that can impact not only your employees, but your business and being proactive on some of those things. Also, we can show there's an ROI for that as well. We have cost calculators that seem kind of cold, but some businesses really do need to be able to look at, um, you know, what will the investment mean if I invest in mental health resources or substance use uh, challenges for my employees or traditional safety and risk? Uh, will I get the payoff? And every single time, uh, the models and the research say you do. And Richard, to piggyback on that, you know, in addition to those calculators that the NSC has created, a number of years ago, we tasked our actuaries to go through our data and internally do some evaluation analysis of ROI. And those companies that participate, that are actively involved, that embrace the different resources brought to them from the NSC and from our other safety and, and claims management resources, tend to beat their actuarial expectations by about 14% over time. So there's there's that cold ROI, and then there's also the subjective ROI that we just know is there as well. And certainly those numbers Lorraine alluded to is three to 10 times ROI on your investment across uh, numerous different safety studies over the years. I do think that the heightened awareness around uh, ESG um, and all of that is behind that, that has to do with uh, keeping humans safe and ensuring that their well-being is part of your governance of your organization is really I think shine even a new newer light on uh, the importance of the sustainability of your organization and the people who support it. Um, we're going to be doing some work in, the, in a little bit called the new value of safety and health in our current day um, with some of that new perspective of ESG and how companies are looking at that differently and how investors are looking at that differently and employees and customers are looking at that differently. So I do think that there's, that's a great opportunity for us to even take things perhaps to a new level. I'm really pleased you mentioned ESG there, Lorraine, because we've actually been talking quite a lot on the Global Capital Podcast about ESG recently, and that's a relatively new context I've, I've heard it referenced in. And I, th I think you're absolutely right in terms of the S and the G side of of ESG, looking after your employees and, and making sure that they're safe and well, and you're having a positive impact on their lives as well as being their employers is going to be a big deal. And as we know, I think that next year in the US, we are going to have more reporting disclosures, particularly from public companies regarding their ESG, um, shall we say, performance. So this is all going to become a lot more relevant. So I'm glad you brought it up there. Andy, there's obviously a close relationship. I can tell by the way you two speak to each other, there's a close relationship between Captive Resources and the National Safety Council. How does this benefit the group captives um, and their members? 
Well, certainly just by virtue of having access to those resources that the NSC can bring to the table. We've been, Captive Resource, been a member of the National Safety Council since 1992. And since that time have embraced so many of the, the, the training, the conferences, the online resource that the NSC has brought to the table for our members. It's just been tremendous. Um, I told Lorraine the other day, you know, I've, I've never heard anything but positive comments about what has been brought to the table by, N- by NSC to our captive members. And over the years, as I've mentioned, we've enrolled as NSC members of over 5,000 companies that go through our different captive programs. So that's a tremendous number of touch points that the NSC has. And again, in, in my experience, it's all been very positive. They, the resource that are online, the resource that are in person, the Safety Congress that's coming up in just a few days, bringing people together from all over the world to experience, you know, those things are just tremendous and they help elevate the understanding of safety and the ROI and the buy-in and the engagement. And it's just, it's just been a tremendous relationship with our captive members, uh, again, in taking that, that risk management program to the next level. Lorraine, you touched on the the pandemic briefly previously, but are there other, are there other new challenges that the pandemic has posed, do you think, to, to workplace environments and, and staff and, and how you've seen organizations start to, to respond to and address those? Yeah, thank you. And, and one of them that, that comes to mind first and foremost, and I alluded to it before, is this issue of um, employees' well-being, one, and then the relationship to that to substance use um, activities. And unfortunately, it wasn't new for us as we got into the pandemic, but the opioid crisis in, in, in the U.S. has been exacerbated significantly uh, during uh, during this time. Right now, and this is just a, a startling thing to even say, 130 deaths each day from the opioid crisis right now in our country. And that means that a person's lifetime risk of dying of an accidental overdose is actually greater than the odds of dying in a car crash. And the car crashes are way too much as well. And we, we have lots of programs around um, roadway safety, but it is just, um, just you know, heart-wrenching to understand that um, people are losing their lives, you know, not intentionally uh, due to some of the stress and uh, mental health issues and now the substance use issues that, that are on top of that. And when we survey workplaces, and that's why it really relates well to the discussion here today, there are things that we can do as leaders in, in businesses to address that, to provide services for employees, to make sure that they can talk about these things safely and that we use our EAP programs and our healthcare programs to get them the resources that they need. All of the research ha- that, that we've looked at has said that if somebody in your workplace reaches out to you to help you um, navigate this, you're gonna be more willing to perhaps hear that and do something to change things than if it was a family member or a friend. And when I hear that, I say, well, then there's a great place for employee leaders to step into and try to help with this issue so that we can ensure that those people get to live their fullest lives. Um, it's just another way for us to think about, you know, providing that health and wellness to our employees. The pandemic certainly has shown a spotlight on mental health and well-being and it's connected to that uh, substance use issues. And anything we do for folks at work, they take it with them. They take it home. Uh, that goes for mental health related issues. And that t- that goes for things like just making sure they wear PPE and helping them understand that that protective equipment helps them when they're at home doing work in their garage. Um, And so we can have such a great impact as leaders in business and in industry uh, to provide the resources folks need to get themselves well, to protect themselves, and then to bring that home with them to their families and their communities. So lastly, Andy, and and again, I'd be interested to hear from you regarding the topic, regarding 
regarding the pandemic how how has your work with with the CRI members changed you know during the pandemic has there been much change in emphasis and in the risk and safety work that you're consulting on the emphasis has certainly remained high and in fact gotten even higher with many uh, of the member companies in how they could do things better given the restrictions of getting people together at the time which is changing and it and it is different different place around the country. But um, the emphasis hasn't dipped at all. Is In fact, it's even gotten greater, as Lorraine alluded to, also looking more at employees' mental health and what's going on in the family and what's going on in the community. It's certainly the service pivoted to virtually everything, or everything virtually, I guess would be the right phrase. Even our consultants, uh, many of them could no longer go visit members directly. They weren't allowed in the facilities or on site, so they went virtual. And people had to get more creative in how to do that, which has been fantastic. Uh, we would normally host two workshops and two board meetings a year for every one of our captive programs. Those all went to virtual. And the workshops actually went to an even even higher level of virtual engagement with uh, waiting rooms and pre-recorded sessions. So had to be very creative in things, but didn't miss a beat and nobody dropped the ball at all on risk and safety during the course of things. In fact, it, it fine-tuned and in some ways kind of laser-focused people to really key in on how can we look at safety differently. It, it just brought a whole different focus to things. And, a, and I'd, I'd say a much more holistic focus to it as well. We have more requests from members looking at more uh, mental health ways of looking at how to work with their employees as opposed to simply perhaps training and uh, different ways of bringing things into the workplace now that they're opening up more to meet people where they are now, given all the uh, anxiety that's been caused over the last year and how that's affecting safety. So it, it's just created a, a whole different way of looking at things, but the emphasis on risk and safety and on, on preventing accidents from happening, boy, that has not waned at all. It's been ratcheted up a bit. Well, thank you to Andy Johnson of Captive Resources and Lorraine Martin of the National Safety Council for an excellent session on the importance of risk management and how it can benefit members of group captive insurance companies. For more information on Captive Resources, then do visit their friend of the podcast page on the Global Captive Podcast website. On there, you can find more information about all of our guests as well, and we will include links in the episode show notes to all of that. In the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and see you next time, Captives.